All right, so what we've been studying, the last two times that I've taught this class, we've been on the same subject. Tonight we're going to jump in and, and kind of tag along. If you haven't been here, let's kind of preface what we're talking about. So years ago, there was a church bulletin that I looked at, and it posed a series of questions. And those questions were like this. It says, which disturbs you most? And then it would list option one, option two. Which disturbs you most? Option one. And it, it kind of goes through a series of things. And we've kind of gone through this, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's how we're going to jump into this next point. So the next point is, which disturbs you most? The church work being neglected, or your work, your job being neglected? So let that sink in for a second. Which one of those things disturbs you or bothers you more? The fact that I, I've neglected my, my work, or the fact that I've neglected my responsibility as a Christian? So let's go to a couple of verses here. James chapter 1 and verse 22 it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. As Christians, sometimes we know what to do. Many times we know what to do. Many times when we're faced with the situation, we know the right choice, but we fail to go that route. It's, um, I was talking to, it might have been the fifth and sixth grade class that I taught recently, or I forget, but it was um, whenever you pray to God, how confident are you that he's going to answer your prayer? How much trust, how much faith are we putting in God that he is truly, that we're truly putting it in his hands? Some situations, some circumstances in life, it's really easy to give to God some situations, it's not so easy. Sometimes it's almost that I, I, I don't trust God, and so I want to take on this, this burden, and I want to handle it. And we have to be careful. When we think that we are more trustworthy or more powerful or, or we have more wisdom than God, we're in a dangerous position. James tells us that knowing it is a good thing, but we have to go beyond that. We have to do it. You know, as members of the church... We all know the Great Commission. We all know that we're responsible for, for teaching, teaching those who are lost. But yet we fail to do it sometimes. Sometimes it's little things. Sometimes it's simple things. We understand. We just don't do it. And again, the whole purpose of this class is to evaluate your heart. If I were to create some sort of machine... And I could hook you up to that machine, just like when you go to the doctor and they hook you up to machines and they tell you how your heart is actually performing. If I could hook you up to some sort of machine where it evaluates your heart spiritually, what would that machine tell us? Would that machine tell you that your heart is in great shape spiritually, you're on fire for the Lord? Or would that machine tell you that you need immediate surgery? There are some corrections that you need to make in your life ASAP. We could go out on a limb and I could speculate. All of us could, could be hooked up to this hypothetical machine and we would all realize that we have deficiencies in our spiritual life. I don't think anybody in here would raise their hand and say that I'm where I need to be spiritually. We're going to take real world issues and think about these things 
in our own lives. If you don't like the things that you realize about your own heart, do something about it. If it's something that you can take care of between you and God, go to God and repent and ask for strength that you're going to do better. If it's something that maybe it's public and it's something that I need to to fix and I need to fix it tonight, we have the opportunity to do that tonight. Where is your heart spiritually? So which disturbs you most? The church being neglected or your work, your job being neglected? If we neglect the work of the church, ultimately, who are we neglecting? God. Ultimately, we're we're neglecting God. What's that? Okay, that's, that's a valid point as well. If we neglect God, do you think that disappoints God? When I was younger, one of my biggest fears was disappointing my parents. And unfortunately, I still disappointed them more times than I should have because I was a kid and I thought I knew everything. It's one thing to disappoint your parents. Imagine if you could, imagine on the day of judgment, if we fall short and we stand before God and God is disappointed in us that we were not obedient, that we weren't really serious, that we were just going through the motions. Imagine looking in God's eyes and seeing that disappointment. On the day of judgment, nothing else matters. What I made on my SATs doesn't matter. What I made at work with my income doesn't matter. Nothing matters on the day of judgment except was I faithful or was I not? We get so distracted in life. Life is so busy. We have, we have social media now. We're, we're constantly being bombarded 24 7. As soon as we wake up in the morning, we get our phones and we look at texts and we look at messages and it's just, it's always, it's ongoing. It never stops. It's easy to get distracted. But we have to put God first. And again, this is something that we all know. This is something that we all agree with. No one in here would say, well, I I don't think we should put God first. We all understand this. This is a basic principle, but how do you apply it? How do you apply putting God first in your life? That's the difficult part. We know what to do, but applying it is the tricky part. If you show up late for work without the equipment, without the, the proper tools that you need for your job, what happens? Okay, my productivity's not going to be what it should be. Is my boss going to be very happy? Probably not. You show up to work and you're not prepared. We talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago. Why is it different in the church? Why do we think that we can show up Sunday morning, I go to bed late, I come in, I'm tired, I don't bring my Bible, kids aren't prepared for their classes. Why is it any different for church versus my job? Why do we tend to elevate our job over the church? 
How prepared are you when you show up on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night? Are you in the proper mindset to worship God? Just some things to think about. My opinion is that sometimes we elevate our boss, our work, more so than church. And I think sometimes it's because it's a, it's a lack of understanding of authority. What happens if I don't perform well at work? Okay, it can affect my paycheck. That can be the bottom line. You want to get somebody's attention, do something with their paycheck. That'll get their attention. We do. Get a pink slip. I might be updating my resume. We typically like to show up for work and to do a good job, and that's a good thing. But why is it different in the church? Do we have the same respect for God that we do for our boss? Could I just show up for work? Let's say that we have uniforms that we wear, and I just show up for work and I say, I understand we have uniforms, but, you know, my pajamas are a lot more comfortable. We wouldn't do that. And that, that, that seems kind of silly, but we wouldn't do that. Because we understand there are rules. But you think about it for church. How do we dress for worship? I know this is a topic that people get bent out of shape over. I don't dress up for church because it's comfortable to me. I don't like wearing a tie. I don't like wearing a suit. When I show up for church, it's because of respect for God. And I've heard the arguments people have made, well, God knows what's in your heart. That's an interesting argument, because if I show up to court, I'm not going to show up in my flip-flops and my t-shirt. I'm going to show the judge some respect by dressing up. If I go to a funeral, maybe it's one of my dear loved ones, and they've passed away. I'm not going to show up in just what's comfortable. And like I said, I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm just trying to make us think. Why do we do the things that we do? Is God in the right? Do we put him, do we elevate him like we should? Whether we like to admit it or not, our dress, the way that we dress, tells something about us. I want to give God my best. He's deserving of it, is he not? The way that I... Your reputation, think about your reputation in the community. What does your reputation in the community say about you? Would people be surprised that you're a Christian? Would they be surprised that you go to church? Sometimes we submit more to our boss at work than we are willing to submit to God. It's my opinion. God has set forth work for us to do. We need to take these things seriously. And again, I'm not saying that, that being a good employee is a bad thing. It's not. Being a good employee is a good thing. We live in a society where responsibility is not what it used to be. Everybody agree with that? We're, we're lacking responsibility in our culture today. You know, our, our society tells you now, well, you're okay. Nobody's going to tell you that you're wrong. 
You can do whatever you, you can think whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. There's no responsibility. There's no consequences to our actions. We understand that being a dedicated child of God is far more important. I would much, what's the worst thing that can happen to me if I do uh, my job poorly? I could get fired. That's, that's typically the worst thing that could happen to me. What's the worst thing that could happen to me if I neglect the church? I'm going to lose my soul. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go out and get fired tomorrow. That's not the goal. But the point is, is that where is our perspective? Where is my focus in life? If we say that our number one goal is to go to heaven, don't say that and then go out here and live a different way. If I truly want to go to heaven, it's going to take work on my part. I'm going to have to make some different, difficult decisions. All right, the next one. Which disturbs you most? Missing a good lesson, a good Bible lesson, or missing a favorite TV program? Okay, so, th- so think about that for a second. Which one would you... You've got your favorite... Everybody's got their favorite TV shows. And maybe it's a new season, it's a new episode, and I can't wait for this. Maybe it was the end of the season and there was this cliffhanger and you can't wait for the new season to start to see what happens. How important is that to you versus maybe going to a gospel meeting? Maybe going to uh, having some opportunity to grow spiritually. I'm going to give you my opinion again for what it's worth. I'm throwing all this in for free not costing you anything. Um, My opinion is that TV has done great harm to our society and to the church. There are good things on TV. There are some really, really bad things on TV. TV has a way of desensitizing us to things. You look at where we were 20 or 30 years ago as a society We were talking about this at work today. If in 2022, if I say, if I go to the doctor tomorrow and I say that I'm a woman, nobody thinks anything of that. If I had gone to the doctor 20 or 30 years ago and said that, you know what would have happened to me? I would have been, I would have been admitted to a, to a facility. I mean, and that that seems silly, but it's true. How did we get that far? How did we get to where we are today? We've been desensitized. Think about things like the Lord's name in vain. How many times a day do we hear the Lord's name in vain? We don't even know because we've become so desensitized that it doesn't even bother us when we hear it. That's a dangerous position to be in. We hear it all the time. Adults, kids, TV, everywhere. Again, television in and of itself is not bad, it's not evil, but there are a lot of things on television that they might start off innocent and they might just throw something in occasionally. And then the next thing, you think about bad language. You know, years ago, if you heard somebody say a bad word on TV, it was kind of, you just, your jaw dropped and it was shocking. If you hear that in a commercial now, do we even think twice? We've become desensitized. 
All right, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number 2. And do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed? Molded. Think about like a, those of you that are bakers. I'm not a baker, but think of you that are, those of you that are bakers. A bunt can, uh, you know, the, the fancy, I don't even know what they're called. The fancy cake pans that shape different things and you take it out and the cake looks like the mold. Is that what we are? Is, is the world, is the society that we live, are, are living in, is it molding us to what the world wants? Are we being molded? Are we being conformed to the world? A couple of definitions for conform is to give the same shape, the the same outline, the same contour, to bring into harmony or accord. Are we in accordance? Are we in harmony with the world? To be similar, to be identical, to act in accordance with prevailing standards or customs. Could that be said about us? That we are in accordance, we are in harmony with the world? As Christians, we have to stand out and be different. And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed. What does it mean to transform? If I buy an old house and it's falling down and I transform it, it's no longer what it used to be. I've transformed that house into a nice house with pain and the shutters are no longer. I've transformed it. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's, let's think about this a little bit. The word transform means to change in composition or structure, to change the outward form or appearance of, to change in character or condition. You think about before I'm a Christian, and when I'm baptized for the remission of my sins, I have been converted. I'm not the same person that I used to be. That person that I used to be I buried him. When I'm washed in the blood of Christ, I'm no longer that individual. He has been buried. When I come up, I am a new individual. I have been converted. This is an ongoing process. If we look at it, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean to be renewed? That's a hard one to define, isn't it? To be renewed, to make like new, to make extensive changes in, to do again. Yes, yes, continuing. It's not that I become a Christian and I put it on cruise control. This is something that I'm going to fight every day of my life. It is continual. Why is it continual? Because it's very easy to be conformed to the world. 
Think about your own personal life for a moment. Outside of church, how often are you around members of the church? The majority of us would probably say the majority of the time outside of the church, we're around the world. We're not around Christians. We're not around people who have the same ideas and mindset and beliefs that we have. If we were to all move to England, what would happen to our speech 10 years later? What is it? It would be different. Our speech. Yes. My wife Mary's from Alabama. When we got married, she had a very, very strong accent. She still has a strong accent, but it's not quite as severe. We, we tend to conform and adapt in our surroundings. Why is that so dangerous? Or is it dangerous? Yeah, we're the minority. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, if I'm on the broad path that leads to destruction, there are many who will find it. If I'm on that narrow path, that difficult path, there are few who will find it. We are the few. It is a lot harder on that narrow path. We have to, not only do we have to be careful that we don't conform to the world, but we are to be a light to the world. We have a responsibility. There's something that I must do to stand out and to be different. Other people should know who are around me that I'm different than the world. People should know that about me. So I'm asking myself, and I ask you guys to ask yourself, do people look at you differently than they look at their other co-workers who are maybe not Christians? I hope they do. Whether we like to admit it, the TV does influence how we think, what we do, um, how we view things. You can even watch five different news stations and five different news stations, and you'll get five different variations of news, which is amazing to me. The television is constantly pushing sin. It's pushing sin every day. And it's pushing us to be tolerant of that sin. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, there are um, certain people of religious denominations that they may be willing to change their doctrine and their stance on things. As members of the church, our authority is the Bible. We cannot change doctrine. The elders can't change doctrine. The Bible will always be our doctrine, whether it's now, whether it's a thousand years from now. If homosexuality was wrong 2,000 years ago, it still is. It'll still be in 2,000 years from now. There are core principles that the church cannot change and will not change. What happens when it leads to persecution? In our 5th and 6th grade class on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about uh, Acts chapter 2 and, and the book of Acts and conversions and the church. Why, were, why was Paul imprisoned a lot? For preaching. 
Paul was not in prison because he was a bad individual and because he went around committing crimes. Paul was imprisoned because he was doing what he was commanded to do. And not only that, you think about the Philippian jailer. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison because they were teaching things that the people didn't like. And it says that they were singing hymns and praying. Now I have to admit to you, if I'm in prison because of doing something that God has told me to do, there would probably be some bitterness in my heart. You know, God, I've been doing what you told me to do. Why am I in prison? Why am I being beaten with a rod and now I'm in prison? What's your perspective? As we stand for what's right and what's wrong, am I willing to be persecuted for my, for my stance? Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37 says, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Who is speaking here? Okay. Brood of vipers. We live in a world where everybody is offended by everything. Everything. How would you like to be confronted by one of the apostles, by Jesus, and to be called a brood of viper, brood of snakes. That's pretty harsh language. You know, sometimes we get offended because the preacher stepped on my toes. Preacher didn't say anything wrong. The preacher didn't say anything that's not in the Bible. The preacher did it in a, in a loving way, but he still stepped on my toes. And I want to walk out and say, you know, mean things to the preacher. How dare you step on my toes? How dare you tell me this is wrong? Imagine living, imagine living um, in Jesus' time. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle world, word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What, what makes up what's in my heart? What is it? The things that I feel, the things that I think, what makes up those things? not a trick question, I promise. It's what you put in it. That's exactly right. It's what you put in it. If I'm around people who are cursing all the time, who are denying that God exists, who are just scoundrels, that is going to have an effect on me. Think about if you were to turn off your TV, turn off your cell phone for an entire week, and all you did was you, you listened to sermons, you read your Bible, you had devotionals at your house. Would you be a stronger Christian at the end of that week? I would, I would hope so. You've been filling your heart with pure things, with, with doctrine. 
What we put in our minds and our hearts, that's who we are. At Polishing the Pulpit, Mary and I went to a marriage class, and one of the things that the gentleman who did the lesson said that really stuck with me, and it kind of applies to this as well, he said, the person that you are is the person that you are to your spouse when no one's around. Do you get that? How I treat my wife when no, no one's around, that's, that's who I am as a person. The point is, is that we, we tend to be um, pretty direct with the people that we love. We tend to be pretty direct with our spouse. And there are things that I would say to my spouse that I wouldn't say to other people. Who are you as a person? Uh, another one of the, the lessons that we went to, the, the, the gentleman, his illustration was, we're driving on the way to church, and the husband and wife, they're arguing. The kids are in the back seat, and they're arguing. And as soon as we pull up to the church parking lot, we open the doors, and it's, hey, brother so-and-so, hey, good morning. Could, could we fall into that same mindset? Could that be us? Who are you as a person? What is your mindset, not when you're sitting in the assembly, when you're alone, when you're with people who are not like-minded? How often do we stand up for truth? How often are we willing to be persecuted? Persecution is coming for the church. Give it time, it's coming. Like I said, we can't change what we believe. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. But as we continue to stand for it, persecution is coming. How far will you stand? To what extent are you willing to stand for the truth? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. I'm just as guilty of this as, as many people, but how much time do we spend watching TV compared to reading our Bibles? And I'm not saying that it should be equal. I'm not, I'm not necessarily implying that. But how much time do we spend studying and reading our Bibles? You know, Don did a, a lesson this past Sunday on social media. How much time do we spend with social media and television? If we're being honest with ourselves, the answer is a lot. We spend a lot of time on social media and television and electronics. How much time do we devote to trying to grow spiritually? I'm just as guilty as the next person. It's something that I need to do better at. It's easy to get on your phone and um, you know, find things that you enjoy, looking at old cars and whatever, uh, picking up, I, I like these little word games. It's easy to sit there and do the next thing you know, you've been on there for 30 minutes. It takes action on our part. You know, we talked about not being conformed, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's something that we have to do daily. No one is going to make us a stronger Christian. No one is going to wake you up at 5 a.m. and say, okay, it's time to do your devotional. Okay, get your coffee. Now we're going to read, you know, 1 Peter. It's not how it works something that I have to do. It's a choice that I have to make. 
Okay, we may not have time to, to get into our next one, but we'll go ahead and read it. So which disturbs you most? Low attendance at worship or low attendance at a club meeting or some other meeting that you may go to? Have you ever shown up for service and it's kind of like, where is everyone? Does that affect you? Discouraging, isn't it? Do you think the elders ever get discouraged? Yeah, do you think the preachers ever get discouraged? Yeah. Is discouragement wrong? To be discouraged, is that, is that wrong? I think it's a human, human emotion. Do you think Jesus was discouraged when all the apostles turned their back on him? I don't know that man. That would have to be discouraging. It's just, you're all alone. Have you ever in your lifetime stood up for what's right and people who you really thought were going to stand up with you kind of turned and walked away? It's discouraging. We're going to pick up on this same point. Um, I think Don's out again next Wednesday, so you guys are stuck with me again. We'll pick up on this. We may finish it. If we do finish it, then we'll add something on to the end. Thank you.